That sounds uh, so obvious, doesn't it? Like, who am I to deny what the Lord can do? It's so strong. I, I think a lot of times we live our life um, telling God what he can't do. We're convincing ourselves what God can do and can't do. Have you ever made up God's mind? You know what I'm talking about? You make up God's mind. You tell God what he can do and can't do. God can do anything. Doesn't matter what you're facing. Doesn't matter how hurt you've been. Doesn't matter what has a hold on you. Doesn't matter your past, your present, your future, your problems. God is more than able. That's a good word, isn't it? He's more than able. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your presence. I thank you, God, that your, um, your strength is not dependent on our perspective of you. You're still God, and nothing changes. Thank you. Lord, I pray that uh, you just move here. Move in the hearts of those who are watching online and those in person. Some of us came to church, and we just got something weighing on us. We just want to give it to you right now. Would you give to God whatever it is that's keeping you up? Give him that burden. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you for your presence. I pray, God, that you bless this message. I know it's already blessed. You've already been speaking to me about it. I want to be a faithful messenger, Lord, so I pray that your Holy Spirit just controls me, leads me, put the words in my mouth. May I only say the things that you want me to say, God. Anoint this message. I pray that ears are opened. I pray that there's new perspectives. I pray hearts are changed. I pray people turn to you, Jesus maybe for the first time. I pray that every soul hears a word from you, God, and they drive home thinking it was worth it. They're watching online and they're thinking, I'm so glad I tuned in. I needed to hear that. I pray that every soul has that moment. We worship you, Jesus. You alone are, are holy and righteous. We worship you. It's in your name we pray all this. Amen. 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 Yeah, we can put our hands together. I love it when we do that, guys. Jesus is Lord. Uh, why don't you turn to someone and just, just tell them it's, it's not about your strength. Say that. It's not about your strength. And then you can have a, have a seat. That'll make sense here in a little bit. It's not about... I had to think a little bit about what I wanted you to say. I, I thought, well, I, I wanted to relate to the message, and I think, uh, I think, I know, I know that does relate to the message. It's good to see everyone at church. I love being at church. It's good to be at church. Um, <clears throat> it's good to be at church. Uh, this last uh, this last week, I drove a thousand miles to drop off my daughter, my girl. And uh, we're a very close family, and, and, and she's uh, going to college just uh, about an hour south of Chicago. So we had a good drive, and we stayed at some friend's house in St. Joseph, uh, some old Thorn Creekers that live in St. Joseph, Missouri. Got to see them and uh, had a great times. I think I, I know every word in, of Taylor Swift's songs. Um, I'm just going to tell you. I heard them all on the road, and uh, they were they were all yeah, you girls would be proud of me, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> so we we uh, it was it was a good time. But I, I dropped her off, and Grace ended up uh, flying out there, and, and we said goodbye, and many tears, and and it was it was tough, and we're still processing, as you know, a lot of parents, a lot of you can been there before. Um, but uh, while we were there, um, I I uh, worked a little bit because. Because we uh, we said goodbye to her on Monday, I think it was right, baby, on Monday, and then uh, we had some time to work. 
So Grace had a, some meetings there, and I was by myself at a Starbucks, and I opened up my laptop. I took a picture because I thought, this is an exciting picture. I know all of you are excited to see this picture. Isn't this an exciting picture? Um, I know you guys are looking at it and saying, I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Here's the side that you don't get. The devil has been after me for 30 years. Ever since I said yes to God, and I said, I will serve you, God. The devil has been trying to take my legs out, to discourage me, to make me sin, to cause me to walk away from my faith, to walk away from the church, to walk away from him, to walk away. The devil has been at me for 30 plus years. 30 plus years. I've had so many opportunities to hold a grudge. I've had so many opportunities to say, I'm never going to be part of a church again. I've had so many opportunities to say, I'm never going to do this again. I've had so many opportunities. The devil has been after me. So when you see this laptop pop open like, where did the laptop go? There it is. When you see the laptop pop open like this, you know what it's saying? Devil, you haven't won yet, or ever. Devil, you did not win. Some of you could identify that. You're at church right now, and it's a big deal that you're at church. Because you know what it's like to be hurt. You know what it's like to go through low times. You know what it's like to have private battles. Some of you know what it's like to want to give up. Some of you know what it's like to want to walk away from faith or want to walk away from God or want to walk away or whatever. And some of you have made decisions. But if you could go back, <laughs> if you could go back in time, you would have done it different, right? But you know what? You're here right now and you know what you're saying? Devil, you, you, you've not won. You have not won. I'm persevering. I'm persevering. It's a great word. I'm persevering. And if you want to walk with God for a long time, I mean, I'm talking about a long time and, and even through the hard stuff, even through the dark stuff, even through the shadows and fears and all that stuff. If you want to walk with God for a long time, you need perseverance. Say perseverance with me out loud. Perseverance. Turn to the person next to you and just say, you need perseverance. You need perseverance. Do they believe you? Tell them again. Tell them again because it's just tell them you need perseverance. Can you do that? You need perseverance. Some of you don't believe me. You don't know what I'm talking about. But you need perseverance. Let me share with you a word that the Lord just gave me for this message here. It's out of Hebrews. And it says, it says this. Um, <clears throat> oh, I'm going to jump right to it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Well, to persevere means I'm going to keep going, even when it's hard. Persevere means I'm going to keep walking by faith, even when I, I, I just don't feel like I even know if God is hearing me. You know, perseverance is like I'm going to keep moving forward, even though everything in me says I want to stop. I'm going to, I'm going to go to church. <laughs> I'm going to watch online, whatever, even though I have reasons and I don't want to. I have reasons. Maybe you've even convinced yourself that you and God have your own you know, special relationship and God understands why you don't do this or you don't do that. Some of you have convinced yourself that your situation is so unique that God has made an exemption for you. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to serve because you've been through a lot. You don't have to give because your situation is tough. You don't have to forgive that person because you've been hurt so bad. You don't have to reconcile. You can be a Christian without reconciling. You don't have to love your enemy. Anybody with me? I'm making friends today. Let's not go to that church. Let me just say this way. If you keep looking for a church long enough, you can find a church that says everything that you want to hear. So don't give up if that's you. <laughs> keep looking. You'll find it. You'll find it persevering. It's a strong word. 
I always tell people, you know, at Thorn Creek, we've been around for 20 years now, and I feel like I've pastored seven churches or so, and they're all called Thorn Creek Church. Just feels that way. Um, this story that we're looking at here is in, uh, is, uh, is in Joshua. This is the last weekend we're looking at Joshua. Well, this is, we just haven't been able to go through all chapters, but Joshua's amazing. It's about the Israelites walking. You know, you have to understand, before Joshua there's the desert. <laughs> For 40 years, there's this desert. And, and they're in the desert because they disobey God. And, and they were too fearful of going into this promised land because of giants and all this crazy stuff. And so 40 days, they scouted it out. They said, no. God said, all right, for one year for each day, you're going to now be in the wilderness. And it's like they're in timeout. You know, you might think of it like that. They're in timeout. And it's like, why don't you just think about your decision? You know, mom, dad, you know, <laughs> why don't you just think about what you've done? Well, that's what they've been doing for 40 years. They're like, man, I should have gone in. I should have obeyed God. And then Joshua comes in, you know, Moses dies and Joshua comes into the picture and God says, Joshua, you're the man. Now you're going to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And when they hear that, um, I mean, Joshua has to be nervous and afraid and fearful of messing up. And, you know, he saw everything that happened in the last 40 years. He understands what's at stake. And he's thinking, you know what? We got we to gotta make sure we do this right. So the Israelites that are under Joshua, they're right around one million or so, maybe a little bit more. Uh, they're, they're now motivated to obey God because they saw what happened to their, their fathers and grandfathers. So in Joshua chapter 1. There's this reoccurring phrase that says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. It's all you see in Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and courageous. And in uh, Joshua chapter 2, there's this story about this. Uh, I mean, God uses a prostitute to, to, uh, to save two Israelite spies. I mean, God can use anyone. God can use anyone. It's a beautiful thing where this prostitute, her whole family is saved because of this woman. Well, what a message there. It doesn't matter what kind of stuff you're into, no matter how dark it is, or no matter where you go or where you run, God can reach you there. He can reach you at any club, at any bar, at any joint, wherever you're at. God can reach you wherever you're at. Glory to God. Isn't that good news, guys? If you're in that place, you appreciate it. If you've been there before, you appreciate it. And then Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3 is an amazing chapter. It's, uh, it's the famous crossing of the Jordan River. That's when they, remember, I had a swimming pool over here. And, and, uh, and he, he put there, in the, in the, I mean, the whole, I mean, God was working 20 miles up. I mean, it's a famous chapter, crossing the Jordan River. So now they're crossing the Jordan River. They're, like, going farther than they did 40 years ago. And, and after that, it's really interesting. This is chapter 3, because chapter 4, what the first thing they do is, is God tells them, set up some rocks, piles of rocks, to memorialize what God has just done. So that's what they do in chapter 4. He memorializes, he sets up these rocks, and, and, and they, it's a place where every time they walk by these rocks, they remember what God has done. I think that's a great thing to do. We all need to you know, set up a pile of rocks in our kitchen, in our bedroom, in our car, wherever, to remind ourselves, look what God has done here. Maybe it's a journal, whatever it is, remind yourself what God has done, because we can forget very easily, and we can be afraid of something that's about to come down on us when we forget what God did for us yesterday, and we can be fearful. You know you have a big God. You have a big God. So that's, that's chapter four, and chapter five, it's like every man's famous chapter, because the whole chapter is dedicated to every man, it's time for you to get circumcised. <laughs> doesn't matter your age. None of them were circumcised. So it's like, get in line. Let's go. Drop your jaws and let's get at it. I got a rock. That's what happens. That circumcision, some of you guys are thinking about it. I, I lost you right now. Uh, that circumcision, you know what it was about? It was about your complete devotion to God's will. That's what it was. It's like, we're not playing church. We're not playing there's no room for someone to be a spectator here. 
There's no room for someone to just watch. There's no room for someone to be curious. You're either circumcised or you're not, literally. Step up. Not right now. I'm just saying that's what they were saying in Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 6. This is their first battle. This is their first battle after crossing the Jordan. And it's a famous battle, guys. It's a famous battle. I got to take a swig here real quick. Hey, did you see CU? They won today. They beat last year's national. I'm so excited about that. They beat TCU. I like underdogs, and they're an underdog. <clears throat> First one. Now, the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its kings, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Say that with me, as loud as they can. Get ready, church. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. And what's up with Jericho? This is a famous city. It's one of the oldest cities. It's one of the oldest cities. It's known as the fragrant place or a place of palms. It's believed to be one of the oldest uh, cities in the world. Ex excavations have revealed, archaeologists have revealed that it's possibly sitting or as old as 9,000 BC. When this story took place, it was 1400 BC. It's roughly 8.5 square acres. And archaeologists actually have confirmed that the walls did indeed come tumbling down. There were thousands of people at the time. In fact, around Jericho, there were at least two walls around Jericho. So it was kind of at like a little bit of an incline. So if you were looking at it from ground level, it would look like one gigantic wall, but it was one wall in front and then another wall. And there was actually some population around them. It's believed that Rahab possibly lived between the two walls. And then they have the second wall. So at the bottom, if you're looking at it from ground level, it would be approximately 40 feet, 40 feet from top to bottom. So it looked fortified. It was this place that, like, unconquerable, impenetrable. There's no way you can get in. And their walls was their strength. Their walls were their strength. And I thought about that a little bit, and I thought, why would God want this to be the first battle? I mean, the Israelites have been walking around in the wilderness, and they show up to this thing. They cross the Jordan River, and they've been circumcised, and, and now, they're, you know, they're, now they're, they're ready to go to battle. And they know part of, the, part of the deal, part of the gig, is we're going to go into the promised land, but we're going to have to conquer some pagan nations. They know that, and the first, first city God leads them to is Jericho with these incredible walls. I think it had a reputation, a reputation that said, you can't get in. Unless somebody opens the door for you. I think it had this reputation of, of it was a fort. It was strong. It was, it was powerful. And then I thought about this, guys. I thought, you know what? How many of us have a Jericho in our life? You know what I mean? A problem that just feels like it's unconquerable. You know what I'm talking about? Something that just feels bigger than you. Anybody have a problem like that? You try to kick an addiction can't kick it. Struggling with depression, you can't kick it. Struggling with loneliness, can't kick it. Whatever it is, you can fill in the blank. You're Jericho. 
your thing. You know you shouldn't, but it's there, and it's like it's just always there, and I know it's there, and you feel weak, powerless, and you're like, I, I don't know if I can beat it. I don't know if I can. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I have had Jericho's in my life. I've had Jericho's in my life. So God tells them, you know, to, to go up to this place named Jericho and, and the Jer- city of Jericho, and he's about to teach them a lesson. Incidentally, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jericho pop up over and over in the life of Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, there's this famous story about a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. You know what the name of the story is? The Good Samaritan. From Jerusalem to Jericho. In Matthew chapter 20, there was a, as Jesus left Jericho, he ran into two blind men. In Luke chapter 16, he approached Jericho and he heard a cry from a man who was blind and he became pretty famous, blind Bartimaeus. And another place in Luke chapter 19, Jesus enters Jericho and he runs into this man who is climbing a tree. His name is Zacchaeus. And I I think it's beautiful that Zacchaeus was this guy who was not a follower of Christ, but he said, hey, Jesus, can you stay with me? And Jesus goes with Zacchaeus. And scripture says Zacchaeus, like he, you, can, you can read between the lines, he gives his life over to Christ. He becomes a follower of Christ and he gives back people, you know, money that he stole from them. It's a beautiful story of transformation. That's the story of the gospel. That's what God does. The message of the gospel is God loves you. Even in the sin or wherever you're at spiritually. And scripture says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And scripture says, God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The gospel is about you coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and Jesus delivering you from your Jericho (laughs) and Jesus saving you from your sins, saving you from a path to hell and giving you a new life an abundant life. That's the message of the gospel. And that's God's desires for every person to come to know Jesus and to experience the abundant life here today, to know his presence today and to experience heaven tomorrow, whenever that happens. So you see this story come up and over and over and over again. And then I, then I saw something else. Verse two says this, But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. Talk about feeling outnumbered, outmanned, not strong enough. But did you see what God tells Joshua? I have given you. Say that with me. I have given you given you. They haven't gone into battle yet. There's no walls that have come down yet. Did you see that? God tells Joshua, I have given you. God is speaking in past tense about something that Joshua has not even done yet. Did you catch that? I have given you. Well, he hasn't even started marching yet. He hasn't done that. His, 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 his warriors, his soldiers, they haven't done any of that. And God is speaking in past tense about something they will be doing. And he's telling them, I have. It's already done. I've already given them to you. Jericho and all of its strong warriors. I, it is done. Only God can do that. You know that? Only God can speak in past tense about something that you haven't even experienced yet. And it made me think this. God is working on your future. Somebody needs to hear that. God is working on your future. Do you know that? God's working on your future right now. You don't, you don't hear me. God is working on your future right now. He's working on your future 
right now. And some of you need to hear that. Like God has already given you victory. You just don't know it yet. God has already healed you. God has already taken care of your desires of your heart. God has already freed you. God has already delivered you. God has already taken care of your future. God has already taken care of you and he's already redeemed you. God has already filled up your cup. God has already been with you. God's already gone before you. Hallelujah! That's right, baby! That's right, baby! God's working on your future. Doesn't that feel good? Oh, you don't hear me. I don't think you hear me. When we were over there in, uh, in Illinois, <clears throat> when we were over there, um, this, this college that we went to, um, that's a great college, Olivet. And uh, when, when, when the um, interesting story. So, so Hannah's a public relations major, communications major. And uh, <clears throat> the person that oversees a public relations, the professor, her name is Heather. And she's the one who oversees the whole thing. Um, <clears throat> Heather, God has put it in Heather's heart to, uh, to uh, love on us, to love on my daughter. And we spent time at Heather's house, this professor, and, and with her husband. And I mean, they cooked barbecue for us and just loved on us, which I'm very grateful for. But here's the part that you don't know. Heather's dad was my spiritual mentor in Colorado Springs when I was going to school. Amen. I would spend time with her dad. His name was Ron. He was a professor. Runs in the family. And I'd spend time in his office and we would talk about the will of God. We would talk about how do you know God's will and I don't know where to go serve ministry and I'm not sure about this and talk about my identity and who am I in Christ and all the stuff that you just talk about when you're meeting with a counselor, you know, kind of thing. He was a spiritual mentor in my life. He was uh, extremely close. He was like a soul brother to me. He ended up passing away because of cancer and uh, passed away, I don't know, a few years ago, maybe seven or something like that. And um, I've known Heather when I was a pastor in Colorado Springs. I think Heather, she must have been in seventh grade, something like that, eighth grade. That's how long I've known her. I've known her. Wow. And the Lord just directed her. She got her undergraduate degree in, in Olathe, Kansas, and then she went up to KU to get her doctorate degree, and, and then she ended up going to Olivet where she oversees an entire department. And then my daughter goes there, and she now mentors my daughter and reaches out to her and wants to have lunch with her every single week and gives her her cell phone number and says, how can I help you? And you can come to my house anytime you want to just rest. Did you hear that? You don't feel that. Some of you feel that. Whew. Parents, you know what I'm feeling. But here's what you need to hear. God's working on your future. God's working on your future. God's working on your future. I am serious. God's working on your future. You don't have anything to worry about. You don't have to stress out about your finances. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to worry about, I don't know what I'm going to do in life. There he goes, all, all those who were young adults. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do in life. It's okay. It's okay. It took me about 20 years to figure out what I'm going to do in life. It took me a long time. I was probably in my 30s or something. It's okay. You don't have to know it all right now. All you got to do is walk with Jesus. That's the thing about the grind. You know, like my picture of my laptop. You know, all of us have this thing where it's like, I'm back to the grind. It's like, I'm just going to keep doing what I feel like I need to do. And sometimes when we're back on the grind, we, uh, we might feel like, this is useless. I'm doing the same old, same old. You know what I'm talking about? It's time to go to church. What do I do on Monday? This is what I do on Monday. What do I do on Tuesday? This is what I do. And we can get caught up in thinking, 
you know what, this is meaningless, this doesn't have any purpose. But when you walk with God, and you walk by faith, everything changes. Verse 3 says this, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day, for how many days? I thought about this also, I thought, that's such a weird request, because this is not like a you know, I don't think there's any general in the military that would say this is a viable, you know, military strategy. Come on. When we go out to Desert Storm or you're facing whatever, here's what we're going to do. Just walk around them for once a day and that'll scare them. I mean, I mean you think about the logic behind this. Think about it for a little bit. Think about the logic. God tells them, I want you to, I want you to do this. And, and you know what God's teaching them? Um, you spent 40 years in the wilderness. You're now entering the promised land. You didn't listen to me last time, but I'm trying to teach you something this time. And here's what he's, tra- he's teaching them. When you follow God's will, you'll fight your battles differently. You'll fight them differently. You'll fight them different from when you didn't know Christ, when you didn't walk by faith. You're going to fight your battles differently. Then he says, incidentally, walking around Jericho was approximately one hour. It's about how long it would take them to walk around, about one hour. So I I thought about this, and I thought, what was that like? You know, because I wonder... What, what, what were they thinking? I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, when they're walking around Jericho, I'm just wondering, are they thinking, like, why are we doing this again? I could have stayed in bed sleeping. Why are we up so early? We're walking around Jericho? Oh, how many times? It's so hot. I should have worn the other shoes. I don't know why I wore these shoes seems so routine, so mundane, doesn't it? Like why, you know what God's teaching? Obedience. And true obedience to God is being obedient to God, even when it doesn't make sense to you. True obedience, true faith is being obedient to God, even when it doesn't make sense to you. You hear that? Even it's uh, obedience is not dependent on your understanding. True obedience to God is okay, Jesus, you want me to go wash in that pool? I'll go wash in that pool. I'll go do that. You want me to go over there and, and, and you want me to rub some? What, what do you want me to do? It's being obedient to God, even when it doesn't make sense to you. And God tells Joshua and the people, here's what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do. And then the other thing I thought about was, you know, this has got to be, I know they know how to walk because they were walking for about 40 years. I know they know how to do that. I know they know how to do that. Hear this. Doing ordinary things can feel like a grind. But when God calls you to do ordinary things, walls come down. Ordinary things. It's like, God, you want me to do the what now? All right, I'll do it. It's not dependent on how you feel. It's not dependent on whether it makes sense to you. It's not dependent on whether you agree with it. It's not dependent. It's only about God's will. I mean, if you really want to be great, you got to die to yourself. I just lost most of you who said that. If you really want to be great, you got to die to yourself. I think about this walking around thing, and I think God calls us to simple things all the time. And it might mean, hey, I want you to go walk across the hall, and I want you to go share your faith with that person. Sounds too simple, God. I don't think that's you. I think that I just ate a bad burger, and I'm not going to go do it. That sounds crazy. I'm not going to do that, God. I want you to serve. Do what? Mm. Can't do that. I'm not a people person, God. You know that. I don't even like people. I don't want to be around people, God. I just want to go to heaven. I just want all your blessings, God. You want me to what? 
I can't give, God. You know that. You know my situation, God. I don't know what calculator you're using up there, but I can't do that down here. It doesn't work out like that. We can't do that. We're going to start this prayer time every Wednesday, starting this Wednesday, guys. And you know what we're doing? Here's what we're doing, guys. We're trusting God. We're trusting God. It's going to be from 6 to 6.45 p.m. My prayer is this house is packed up. And some of you are thinking, so why do we have to walk around that thing? I can just pray from my house. Why do I have to get over there and drive? I'm a very busy person. I don't have to do that. Sometimes God says, no, I want you to do this because I'm going to show you some great things. You know what my prayer is? My prayer for the prayer night is there's stories that come out of that that we say, hey, we were praying for this together and God moved and a miracle happened and he's healed and she's healed and he's delivered and she's delivered. That's what my prayer is. And I want to just broadcast those miracles. That's my prayer, guys. So that's where my head's at. That's my head. That's where my head's at. I want miracles because God, God is moved when people pray. Now look back at the story. And verse four says this: Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. But there's the ark. There's the ark. The ark of the covenant represented the presence of God. It represented the presence of God. Remember, God's teaching them, you're going to fight your battles different. You don't need a sword. Put it down. You don't, don't need a bow and arrow. Put it down. We're going to fight this different. You're going to fight it God's way. And he says, I mean, the ark represented the presence of God. And then the, the, the ark also had a few things in it. It had Aaron's bud that blossomed. It had the two tablets of the Ten Commandments. And it also had a jar of manna. That's what was inside of the ark. Why does it have those things inside of there? You know what I think? I think God was saying, hey, you know what? Just look at the ark and you know how I've been faithful in the past. There's the word of God inside of that ark. And there's also evidence of God's faithfulness in the past. And let me say it like this. God wants you to face your battles with a full confidence that he is with you. And he's always been faithful. Hasn't he always been faithful in your life? You're here breathing right now. Looks like everybody's been eating pretty good. Hasn't he always been faithful in your life? Glory to God. So when you face your battle, you walk around with that. Here's our problem. We can walk around our problem without God. There's our problem. That's the old way of fighting battles. You try to fix them on your own. That's the old way. Here comes verse, verse four. On the seventh day, you're to march around the town. How many times? Seven times. With the priests blowing the horns. Seven times. Think about this here. How many is that? You guys, you're like one. And some of you are saying, what? You just enjoyed this. Let's say four. You guys got to help me count. I'll go with that. Say, someone says, I'll call it. You know what I thought? Do you think you ever get tired of doing things that God has called you to do? Because it doesn't seem like. It's making a difference. You ever get tired of praying about something because you feel like, I don't think God's hearing me. You ever get tired of, okay, I tried it out. I went to church. I tried it out. It didn't work for me. It didn't stick. I tried the Jesus thing. It didn't stick for me. I don't know what's going on, but it didn't work. And the other thing I think is like, what if they would have stopped at six? What if there were some in the group that said, this is ridiculous. I'm out. Peace out. 
Boy Scout. I'm done. What if there were some people in the group that said, this is dumb. This is stupid. You know, I believe it or not, there's people who are extremely critical. I, I've heard of these people. They exist. They complain. I know you don't know what I'm talking about. They're very critical in the church. I'm sorry. I, should, I said in the church, not in the church. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I should stop, but I can't stop. They're very critical and they complain. Well, what about those people who are marching around like, why are we doing this? This is dumb. God's teaching them. He's teaching them. The other thing that you see, they were to follow behind the ark. You know what, they're te- what God's teaching them? You need to wait on my presence. You need to wait for me to go ahead of you. I mean, I think there were some speed walkers. Some of you are speed walkers. I know you're like, you know what I mean? You walk around. <laughs> That's just the way you are. I, I hate walking with speed walkers. You know, they're just like, and I'm like, let's smell the flowers. My wife walks fast. So I'm like, that's another pace. I, mean, I could run, but I'm like, look at the leaves on the tree. Anybody like that? Like, oh, look at the leaves. Isn't that pretty? You know what I mean? Get out your phone and take a picture and all that stuff. But I think God, I think one of the hardest things about committing things to God or praying to God is waiting on God. Waiting on God to move. I mean, Sarai couldn't wait. She said, baby, I have an idea. It created a whole bunch of problems. Created a whole bunch of problems. Can you wait on God? Or are you like, God, I have been waiting and I can't do this. You know what I mean? Can you wait on God? I think the Israelites were learning to trust God doing something as simple as walking, but also waiting. Hebrews 11.30 says, It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days, and the walls came crashing down. It was by what? It was by what? Faith. It was by faith. So I think there was some faith when they were marching. I think they were exercising some faith. God said he trust him and we're following the ark and his presence is with us. I know God heard of our prayer and I'm going to keep I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep walking by faith. I'm going to keep trusting God. I don't understand all this stuff, but I'm going to walk by faith. Think about this. Hebrews chapter 11 is full of people who walked by faith. Faith is I'm going to believe that God is going to move even though my circumstances haven't changed. Faith is I'm going to believe that God is working on my future even though I'm facing these battles today in my present. Faith is I'm going to believe even though I don't see, I believe and I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him with my life. I'm going to walk by faith because I know he's with us. I'm going to walk by faith because one day I'm going to be in heaven in the presence of the Lord. And I'm going to look back at my life and I'm going to say, see, I wasn't crazy. (laughs) I wasn't crazy. I told you. I told you. I told you. Walk by faith, baby. You walk by faith. Walking by faith doesn't make sense to other people. It doesn't make sense to other people. Truly walking by faith. If you grew up in the church and you consider yourself a Christian, hello, your faith should be greater than anyone else's faith in the room. You should be an example. You should be a faith trash talker. Talking about this is how you walk by faith. We should see your life and know, wow, look at him. He walks by faith. He has been walking with God. He and God have history. That's someone the church needs. We don't need anyone to talk anymore. We need someone to show it with their walk and do things that only requires faith. I kind of feel like preaching, guys. I kind of feel like that. God told the prophet Zechariah, 
not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, says the Lord Almighty. Here's what, here's what don't you hear. It's not about your strength. That's what God was teaching him. Where's our sword? Where's our spears? This is what we're supposed to do? Do you think God needed the Israelites to conquer Jericho? No way. You know who the project was? You think it was Jericho? You think Jericho was the project? No, no, no. You know who the project was? Who was God working on? You think it was about Jericho? It wasn't about Jericho. You're the project. You're the project. You're the project. You're the project. God wants to know, are you going to trust me? I'm working on your future. <laughs> I'm working on your future. I'm working on your future, baby. I'm working on your future. Second Chronicles says this. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle, let's say it together. For the battle is, say it out loud. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, March around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the Ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horn started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the ark and the priests continually blowing their horns. Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. 
On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priest sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the priest, shout. Joshua commanded the priest, shout. Somebody shout, somebody shout. There it is. For the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed and offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute, God's grace, and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will be trouble upon the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his sanctuary treasury. Verse 20, when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it, baby. so good I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory we're trusting God is working on our future I want to give you an opportunity maybe you're watching online or maybe you're in person and maybe you're not a Christian maybe you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you can say a prayer I want to pray for you others of you maybe you got a Jericho in your life and maybe God's saying, hey, this is what I want you to do, right? This is what I want you to do. I want to pray for you because God's working on your future and you need to know that. God, thank you for these good people. If you're ready to receive Jesus, would you say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. I give you my life. I want to become a Christian right now. Or maybe you need to say this prayer, God, I need to march around Jericho. You know my problem. You know my worry. It's so much bigger than me. And I wanna give you my Jericho. And I wanna say to you, God, I'll be obedient. It's no longer about my understanding. It's no longer about if it makes sense to me. I'm just gonna be obedient to you, God. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you for being with us, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we thank God again for his word? Praise the Lord. God is so good.